Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. everybody and welcome along to our continuing live coverage of the 2020 IMSA Prototype Challenge. The circuit that we're at this weekend has a fantastic history. goes back to 1955 in September of that year, the first race on the circuit which has kept pretty much the same configuration since that first event. Well that was a sports car event so it is entirely appropriate that IMSA are there this weekend for the IMSA Road Race Showcase. Not only the big pro teams get to race in IMSA at Road America, which is where we are this weekend, America's National Park of Speed, but there's some up-and-coming drivers and still some people who are doing what they love to do. It's another round of the IMSA Prototype Challenge. It's on the four miles of Road America and it's coming up live in sound and vision with no blocks or breaks around the world on IMSA TV and IMSA Radio. The IMSA Prototype Challenge on IMSA Radio, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Ever since the 1950s, Road America has been challenging the best and brightest drivers from North America and around the world. Just over four miles following the topography of the local landscape in a beautiful parkland setting. And just over that four mile means it's the longest circuit on the IMSA schedule once again for 2020. Hello everybody, I'm John Heinthoff and we're ready to go racing on a super Saturday here at Road America, America's National Park of Speed. We're up in Wisconsin where the dairy country is, just uh, suppose in between Milwaukee and Green Bay, 14 corners, just over that magic four mile with opportunities for overtaking at turn one if you're brave turn five downhill breaking into the carousel at turn eight and then the world famous canada corner take a lot of speed through there before you weave your way back up to the start finish line what we've got this afternoon are the prototype challenge cars that are out on their formation lap it'll be Shea adam to call all of the action but first here's jeremy shaw to take you through the grid there will be 13 cars on the grid for today's third round of the 2020 IMSA Prototype Challenge. 
In the 13th position on the grid, local driver is Greg Palmer in the Junior 3 Racing Ligier. On the sixth row of the grid on the outside is Paul LaHaye in car number 86. That's a one motorsports Ligier making its return to the series after missing the previous race. Cameron Castles will start the Performance Tech Motorsports car number 75 in 11th position. On row five is Bruce Hamilton in car number 60, the Wolver Racing Ligier. Alongside him, number 10, the Robillard Racing Norma of Joe Robillard. Row four of the grid, Dominic Cicero in car number 54 as a Ligier for MLT Motorsports. Alongside him is Stephen Thomas, number 11 K2R Motorsports Norma. Two more Norma M30 chassis teammates from 47 Motorsports will share row three. That's Joel Janko in car number 47 and John Brownson in car number 74. Row two of the grid, Jerry Kraut in car number nine. That's a winner last time out for JDZ Motorsports in another Norma. And the fastest of the Ligiers in qualifying for Performance Tech Motorsports in car number six is Dan Goldberg. Moving on to the front row of the grid, the points leader for K2R Motorsports, the Norma M30 chassis, car number 64, is Naveen Rao. And on the pole position for the first time in this championship, his best previous qualifying was a third at Sebring last year for 47 Motorsports, another Norma in in car number 40, the pole sitter is David Grant. Thank you, Jeremy. Leading them around the field, the brand new Chevrolet Corvette C8R, the mid-engine car, taking the pace car duties for the first time this weekend here at Road America. Hi, everyone. I'm Shay Adam. And as you just heard, Jeremy Shaw, Ryan Till is on assignment this weekend. So I will be filling in for the IMSA Prototype Challenge race. And what a grid we've got. These 13 cars, seven Ligiers and six Normas. It's been an interesting practice so far this weekend with cars on track yesterday in the practice and qualifying forms. But as far as the qualifying went, well, it was Norma heavy, wasn't it, Jeremy? Yeah, it was. That's been a kind of the norm this season, if you like, the norm for the Normas to be up front. But for this weekend, the Ligiers have got a little bit of a break. They're allowed to run the Le Mans setup for these LMP3 cars. Generally, it's a homologated car. You're not allowed to change anything. But they're allowed to run a slightly smaller rear wicker on the rear wing. That gives them a little bit more straight line speed, but it can lose a little bit of time of stability through the corners and some of the Ligier teams have elected to use that option and others have not. Interesting to see how that pans out during this one hour and 40 minute race. The other interesting thing I think is the cars, this is the first time for the LMP3 cars at Road America. Average speed of the qualifying lap, 118.545 miles an hour for the pole sitter. So it's a fast place around here. And three times on this racetrack, the cars will reach their terminal velocity, which is over 165 miles an hour. Gosh, that's definitely eye-opening for some of these non-professional drivers as they go into two-by-two -two formation. And the pace car pulls away. If we see it again, it'll be the safety car. So this is the last time that we see it under that guise. But side by side for David Grant and Naveen Rao. Naveen on the outside with that car that looks very much like a Star Wars X-Wing fighter. And if you see Naveen out of the fire suit matches as well. The long, patient run up the hill as they exit turn 14. Need to stay patient, guys. Don't get antsy. We've seen this go terribly wrong just a couple weeks ago in the IndyCar races, as a matter of fact. Two cars backing off just a little bit as the green flag is in the air. And away goes David Grant. The Normas with a great jump over the Ligier in third. But Naveen Rao not giving up the 
fight for the lead going into turn one. I think it should be Grant who holds on to it safely, but just looking further back in the field to make sure that he gets through side by side through turn one for people further back in the field. And it looks like Joe Robillard actually might have made up a position there as they come through it now. Everybody needs to be patient going through turn three as well. It's an hour and 45 minute race. You don't want to throw it away in the first few corners. And Jeremy, it looks like everybody made it through. Yeah, that's good. Nice clean start there. A good start certainly for Jerry Kraut. They're up into a third position in car number nine. That's the car that won that last time out at Sebring a couple of weeks ago. He's managed to get past Dan Goldberg at the start of the race. And there's a lot of battling going on behind him. There's Joel, Joel Janko making a good early move in car number 47. Jill Janko, who's looking for a little bit of redemption after the race at Sebring did not go their way. He and Jonathan George were points leaders after the race win out at Tona and actually coming off of a two race win streak if you include the encore. But this is going to be very welcome for Jill running up in the fifth position right now for the 47 at Motorsports 47, Norma. Further up the field, as you mentioned, Jerry Kraut, but also Naveen Rout not letting everybody run away just yet. Still seven-tenths of a second between first and second, and we're only now coming through the carousel. That's quite a gap for the lead. Yeah, really good start there for, uh, for the younger of the two Grant brothers, both of them from Germantown, Tennessee, David and Keith. David it was who qualified the car and it's a great early start. He's got a lot of experience in, in open wheel cars, particularly in Formula Atlantic cars. He's won the uh, Formula Atlantic Championship, which is kind of a semi-pro series these days, not the same as it was uh, some years ago when it was one of the feeder championships for the IndyCar series. But certainly he's got a lot of experience in those cars. He knows his way around this racetrack and it's a really, really good opening lap for David Grant in car number 40 for 47 motorsports. David Grant with the best second sector there, extending his lead by almost two seconds through that one portion of the track alone. It is the longest section, of, but a very impressive start from David. And as you mentioned, Jeremy, the, the two brothers, they found almost a second worth of pace between qualifying and the practice session. So they were very pleased to see that first pole position go their way. We do have a couple other changes in the field, including in the number six. That's Dan Goldberg. He's in fourth right now. He's sharing once again this weekend with Rasmus Lynn. That was a very late decision. It was supposed to be Blake Mount sharing the performance tech car, but Dan unable, or excuse me, Blake unable to make the trip due to some travel issues. So that's a good opportunity for the young Swedish driver, Lind, once again. Yeah, in fact, well, he was actually feeling, he wasn't feeling good when he got to the airport. That was the travel issue. So he turned around and went home. Uh, and, that, and that decision was made on Thursday night. So the Performance Tech Motorsports team had uh, very little time to organize a, a substitute driver for Blake Mount. Thankfully, uh, Rasmus Lind, who drove for this car, drove this car at Sebring when, uh, when uh, Blake wasn't able to make the trip down to Florida, uh, he was available. He was in Indianapolis. He lives in Indianapolis these days, says Rasmus Lind, originally from Gothenburg in Sweden. He was available and he hopped in the car right away. He drove up to Road America. They had a seat fitting, I think, at about two o'clock in the morning just to make sure he was uh, comfortable in the car again. Because, as I say, the, the team was planning on running Blake Mount up until Thursday night. But uh, Rasmus Lind just hopped into this car and he will uh, did a few laps in practice. He didn't qualify the car, of course, but he will take over that number six for the second portion of this race. Doesn't he have racing experience around Road America, though, Jeremy, in open-wheel cars? Yeah, he does indeed, yes. He's, he's raced here on the uh, the Road to Indy 
uh, and has uh, had a lot of success here as well. He's He's been on the podium several times here at Road America. Uh, he drove for the, the locally based team Pabst Racing from Oconomowoc in Wisconsin. So uh, he had some good success with them in the, the USF 2000 Championship and also was fast here in the Indy Pro 2000 Championship last year. So yes, he does know his way around here and he's just uh, dialing himself into a very different sort of a car though. This prototype car is much heavier than the open wheel cars he's used to driving around this four mile racetrack. Two laps complete, your leader, David Grant, who owns all the sector times right now. Naveen Rao in second and Jerry Kraut in third. As there was a moment going through the kink, oh my goodness, four wheel off the track all the way to driver's left. That was a K2R machine. Uh, which one was that, Jeremy? Can you see a number on it? Uh, well, it, it was it was presumably uh, Stephen Thomas in car number 11, uh, I think, because the, the other K2R car is uh, is the car that's in second place. That's Naveen Rao, who is uh, who is running in second place. There's a uh, number six car. That's Dan Goldberg thinking about trying to make a move on Jerry Kraut into turn five, wisely deciding that he wasn't quite close enough to take a lunge. So he settles in now to fourth position in car number six. Two of the stalwart teams of this championship, JDC Motorsport leaving, leading performance tech, so the nine and the six. That battle's not going to go away anytime soon. Is It's interesting because the Norma is Jerry Kraut's car. That's JDC. And the Ligier is performance tech. So we're seeing a beautiful, uh, perfect example of the two different chassis, where they're stronger, where they're weaker, set up by two of the best teams in the paddock. It's a great opportunity for us to actually visually get an idea of the differences in the cars. Yeah, that's very true, Shay. And uh, the Normas certainly, uh, historically, over the last couple of years, have got a, a straight line speed advantage. And on a track like Road America, that is uh, a good advantage <laughs> to have. But as you can see, that under braking, Dan Goldberg closes right up onto the tail of Jerry Kraut as they head into Canada Corner and now up the hill through these final couple of turns before they reach the start finish straight. That was, by the way, uh, as you mentioned, Stephen Thomas, who went off the track in the number 11 K2R motorsports car. We should mention he and Paul LaHaye in the number 86 motorsport, one motorsport car, the only two drivers doing this entire race by themselves. Everybody else has a co-driver. There is a mandatory pit stop that everybody must serve. And when the time comes, we will go through that. But you've got a minimum drive time of 40 minutes. So we shouldn't be seeing any cars coming into the pit lane for about another 33 minutes, and that would be the first opportunity for people to come in. Now, if there's a caution, it does change the process of people coming into the pits when they're allowed to, when they choose to. But basically, you can do this race with one person if you're that brave or that crazy, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's right. But Paul LaHaye, that one motorsports car, number 86, uh, joining the series this weekend, he generally drives that car with Dave House. Uh, Dave, though, He's, he's no spring chicken, is Dave? Well, not Paul. He's Paul's into his sixes, but Dave House is a good bit older than that. And he's uh, Dave is self-quarantining at the Napa uh, uh, House family vineyards in Napa, California. Smart decision, I think, Dave, probably right now. But I know he's missing. Whoa, there's Dan Goldberg. Gets way sideways, coming out of turn seven. Just about holds it together. And he's going to make a loop to the inside and loops it around. He's just, get, he's just too impatient is Dan Goldberg. That was a silly mistake. And I tell you what, the team principal there, Brent O'Neill at Performance State Motorsports, he will not be a happy camper right now. No, he won't. Dan Goldberg is Ray, Florida, Delray Beach, just about 20 miles north of where I am right now, as a matter of fact. He is still fairly new to racing. He's got a background in driving BMWs and sort of 
club events, but coming into this level is still a new experience. Well, no, actually, you know, he's, he's got a fair amount of racing experience. If we see again, he just made a mistake at, uh, at turn seven and then compounded it by, by making another one at turn uh, turn eight there. Really silly move there by, by Dan. He's got plenty of experience, Jay. Uh, he, he raced in the IMSA Prototype Challenge Series uh, up until uh, a few years ago and had, had a fair bit of success in the championship uh, back in those days. He's had a total of 30 starts in uh, in IMSA competition uh, he's had a couple of wins as well so you know he knows what it's all about but uh, you're right he's been out of this level of racing for several years just driving that BMW uh, and since he's come back he knows he's fast but he just doesn't have the patience yet to to show you know what he can do and and bring the he, his goal coming into this weekend it was quite clearly laid out by the team principal was bring this car back in one piece in a good position and let Rasmus Lind the youngster from Sweden really show the capabilities of the kind of later stages but unfortunately there that mistake by uh, by Dan Goldberg has set him back just a little bit I think he was able to get going again but it's cost him a lot of ground yeah he was he's back down in the fifth position now so he only lost one spot but as you rightly say Jeremy a lot of ground he's now 20 seconds behind the leader we are watching a battle developing on track between Joe Robillard chasing John Brownson, chasing Joel Janko, and then those train of cars, those three cars, are trying to catch back up to Dan Goldberg as Joel Janko dives down the inside of, uh, who was that, Dan Goldberg? No, that was John Brownson making a move. And did he make it stick? Yes, Jonathan, Joel Janko getting around John Brownson. But now they're coming back. Gosh, there's a lot of action up at that turn eight, just before the carousel. Robillard now looking on the inside, decides to back out of it. Smart move by Joe. And Brownson maintains that one position ahead of Robillard. But now the two cars behind them have caught up. And Thomas and Castles are right there as well as Castles goes by Thomas up the inside. What a move. Yeah, that was a nice move there by, by Cameron Castles. Uh, qualified poorly yesterday. Uh, qualified way back in the 11th position, which certainly wasn't what he was expecting. Cameron is generally a very fast driver. Just just didn't have a good day yesterday. Also had a, He's also driving this weekend in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race. And he had a spin yesterday and did a little bit of damage to that car in turn five as well. So he's he, today he's looking for redemption. And that was a good early pass by Cameron Castles. That was getting all bad luck out of the way yesterday, for sure, for Cameron Castles, the Canadian, who does quite enjoy racing at this circuit. He's one of the few drivers in the field who's got experience in a prototype at this track, having run in the LMP2 category last year, as Joe Robillard has a look down the inside of Joel Janka once again. Doesn't quite get it done before the long uphill run, so that will need to be a recovery moment now. Two Normas dragging each other down the front straight. But it is a slight advantage for Cameron that he's this track in an LMP2 machine, now trying to do it in an LMP3. He at least knows what it's like to drive around here with a lot of downforce. Yeah, that's, you know, it is quite different, this racetrack. And there's a good view of the cars going down the hill underneath the bridge and strecken sign down towards turn three. The super midfield battle here with Cameron Castles now trying to make a, a, a pass on Joe Robillard. The key, though, to making a pass down at turn five is to make a good exit to turn three, which he didn't really seem to do that time, Castles, did he? And instead, he's maybe, maybe going to come under pressure again uh, from that uh, that car he just passed. Uh, uh, but he has to defend the light, the inside line down into turn five because Cameron Castles instead of putting himself in a position to be able to challenge. There's and a there's a spin. Oh, Number 74, John, John Brownson. 
Yeah, John Brownson, Mr. Excitement, he's known as. That's probably why. Let's have a look. Just got on the, on the throttle a little too hard coming coming out of turn five. That's a shame for John. He'd made some some good early ground in this in this race and was trying to chase after Dan Goldberg, who of course had already spun himself. That's a shame for John. He's switched teams for this weekend. He's now driving uh, for the 47 Motorsports team. Uh, and he has a, uh, a new co-driver alongside him uh, as well. But uh, that's going to set that car back again in this race. Yeah, John Brownson out of Breckenridge, Colorado. Fourth in points coming into the race weekend alongside Wyatt Schwab, the youngster from Pennsylvania. They've driven together. Well, they have they driven actually in the past year? I know Wyatt's been with Performance Tech uh, for many years in the past in this series. But that's a big difference uh, for John Brownson to switch cars and teams. Yeah, it is. It's, it is a, a, uh, not easy for him to do that. And uh, at least it's, it is the same sort of car that he has uh, driven before. This is a, a normal chassis. But uh, yeah, this is going to be, uh, again, you know, he, he, the, the younger driver, Wyatt Schwab, is just 19 years of age from Millersville, Pennsylvania. And he's a youngster who's got uh, big ambitions in the sport. And he just wants to, to show what he can do later in the stages in this race. Here's a, a move now for uh, Joe Robillard, mate, trying to make a move on Joel Janko as they head toward turn one. Not able to pull it off this time. No, but he's driving very smart, is Joe Robillard. That's a couple of times now where he has had an opportunity to pass and decided that uh, honor is not the better part of Alan. It's not the opportunity to try and make the move. So he's being very patient. I, I do appreciate that from Joe Robillard, who's sharing the car with Stephen McAleer yet to take over. Stephen's got a lot of laps around Road America in the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series. He's a former champion of that. So he's been around here in, well, almost no downforce cars. It's going to be fun to see what he can do in their normal later on. It's still David Grant, who leads, by the way, with the best lap time. He is well and truly clear of the competition, seven and a half seconds away from Naveen Rao in second, who himself is four seconds ahead of Jerry Kraut in third. So that's 40, leads 64, leads nine. Back in the fourth position, we have Dom Cicero, who's in the 54 MLT Motorsports Ligier. It's a good story from Dom, too, uh, seeing his name on the entry list for the first time last weekend or excuse me, the last time out at Sebring, where he and Dakota Dickerson actually finished in fourth. And I thought they were going to get to the podium, Jeremy. Yeah, they had a good run there, certainly. And, you know, it was a super competitive race last time out at Sebring. This weekend, though, it's a different story. As you say, David Grant just set a new fastest lap last time around at two minutes. Point five. He's gone quicker again as he crossed the line now. Two minutes, 5.5 there for David Grant. So he's now into the groove and pulling away. You see this main battle, this main group of cars just coming through Canada Corner. So they're better part of a half a mile or so behind already. And we're only, what, seven laps into this race. Still an hour and a half remaining. So plenty of time, of course, to, for things to change. But a really good opening stint for uh, David Grant. And uh, this battle that's coming up towards the line now, Joel Janko is having to work hard to keep Joe, Joe Robillard behind him. How much fun is this? Joel Janko, the Florida Keys resident versus Joe Robillard, who calls home in New Jersey. Some very different atmospheres that they're used to. Robillard looks down the inside to turn one. There was a little bit of a love tap from Joel Janko as he turned down in. And uh, Robillard makes it through. But now Castles and Thomas are both right there, too. And Thomas looks like he's going to try going down the inside. And does he make it stick? Yes, he does. So that's two positions lost for Joel Janko. Yeah, that was a good move, wasn't it? That was uh, that was very tidy. Oh. 
Let's have a, a replay he, here of, of Carol Shea. Joe Robillard waited. He waited so many laps to try and make that move work, and he just stuck the nose down the inside at the right moment as we have two spinning cars on track and contact made. The only victim not affected there was Cameron Castles, who managed to keep driving. But there is damage to two cars, and one car is actually stuck in the sand trap. Number 60 is Bruce Hamilton. He has continued to drive, but he has right front suspension damage. Don't think he'll be able to actually make it all the way back to the pit lane. The other two cars are still stopped at turn five. That's car number 11, including Stephen Thomas, one of the solo drivers that we were talking about. I don't, I think he was one. Yep, he has left front damage. So he made contact with the 60. And we did still have one other car uh, problem out on track. That is the number 60 of Bruce Hamilton trying to make it back to the pit lane. There was one other car affected there. I believe it was Joel Janko. But there is debris all over the racing line at the entrance, at the exit of turn five. I can't see how we're not going to go to a caution for that one. But we are still green right now. Yeah, that was the most unfortunate incident, and have a maybe we can have a look at the replay as to, as to what happened. Just coming down the hill into turn five, and uh, Joel Janko just left his braking way, way too late there, carried yep. into the back of, uh, of uh, which car was that? Uh, when Number 11 car, Stephen Thomas, yeah, Stephen Thomas, spun 11. him around. And then uh, poor, poor Bruce Hamilton there comes along in that Wolver Racing Ligier and is unable to avoid the contact as well. So that was a uh, just a really unfortunate incident all around. And you have to say it was a, unfortunately another mistake there from Joel Janko who really precip preci precipitated that whole thing by running into the back of Stephen Thomas. I will tell you one thing, though, Jeremy. We talked yesterday about Cameron Castles having a lot of bad luck. His luck has changed because if he had gone anywhere but where he did, he would have wound up hitting another car. We have stayed green under all this time as the cars continue to make their way back to the pit lane, but there is so much debris at the exit of turn five. I can't see how we wouldn't go yellow to try and clean all that up. The incident is under review by race control. So that is something to keep an eye on. It's been an eventful race for Stephen Thomas, one of the drivers doing this race solo in the number 11 K2 Arm Motorsport car. Remember, he was the car that went four wheels off at the kink earlier, too. So he's going to be uh, counting his lucky chickens at this point that, well, that's one bad incident. That's two bad incidents. As we go full course yellow with one hour and 56 and a half minutes remaining of this race, Remember, pit window, not yet open, so you can't even come in to do your driver change. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the uh, you know, Bruce Hamilton is going to bring that that Wolver Racing car into the pit lane, but I don't think there's anything that that team is going to be able to do a lot of damage to that car. He's just had no luck at all this season. Had an off also at Sebring last time out. So once again, Tony's Kazimitz, who spends a lot of time here at Road America. He's from Mundelein, Illinois, so not too far away. This is Tony's Kazimitz's home track, originally from Estonia, but it moved here as a kid and spent a lot of his early early racing years at Road America. That's another replay of Joel Janker there. Janker just leaving his braking too late, tag tagging the back of Stephen Thomas. As you said, Shay Adam, Cameron Castles did a really nice job of avoiding those two spinning cars. Goes around the outside. He loses himself a lot of time to everybody else. But uh, for uh, Bruce Hamilton then, uh, I don't know, maybe he was fixated on the cars happening, on spinning on the outside because it looked like uh, he should have been able to slow that car down. But I guess he was just too close yeah. uh, to be able to take ev evasive action. Really unfortunate. It looked like he 
he was carrying a lot of speed through that turn, Jeremy, as if he wasn't even slowed down to a normal sort of rate, almost as if he saw the car spinning and went, aha, I can make up two positions. And then there was a roadblock in front of him, unfortunately. So, uh, Stephen Thomas has made it back to the pit lane in the number 11 K2R Motorsports, Norma. And also joining him, the Ligier of Bruce Hamilton in the number 60. So both cars now entering the pit lane. But as you said, I don't think they can fix that right front suspension. It looked like it was rather wonky for Bruce Hamilton. Seth Thomas's team going to work putting a new nose on the car and putting four new Michelin tires. Now, they do have an allotment of five sets of tires for this whole weekend. So this isn't quite an issue for that car. Getting a look now at John, at uh, Joel Janko still circulating out on the track. He has not come into the pit lane, but down in ninth position. So what started out as a relatively good day is on south. It looks like the well, front bodywork might be aimed a little bit in the wrong direction. Yeah, but surprisingly, little damage to that car, certainly compared to the others that were involved in that nose-to-nose confrontation there as a result of the mistake that was initially made by Joel Janko. Joel Janko, of course, in this uh, number 47 car, that's the car that won the opening race of the season at Daytona, along with his regular uh, co-driver, Jonathan George, and also Carl Kirkwood, an open-wheel champion, stepped in for that round. And uh, Carl, I believe, may well be back for another couple of races this season in that car. But uh, this weekend, huh. it's all gone wrong for Joel Janko. That would be fun. I, I do like Kyle. Uh, the number 60, that's Bruce Hamilton, is coming back out of the pit lane. So they've put a new nose on and they put new wheels on. That's quite surprising. Now, the I thought, one I car I who one would be... was pointing the wrong way, wasn't it? I did too, to be honest, Jeremy. <laughs> so maybe they got some really good super glue. The, the one car who would utterly depressed about this full course yellow coming out would be David Grant, the leader in car number 40 for 47 Motorsport because he had, what, a nine-second lead by the time that the caution came out as also rejoining Stephen Thomas. Wow, so we do 13 cars out and around the track. But what a start. If you're on the box for David Grant for 47 Motorsports, tell him to do it again. Absolutely right. You know, he pulled out a, a lead of over eight seconds before that. this full course course. He pulled away the second a lap, uh, on average at least, over those opening eight laps. So he was very much the class of the field. But Naveen Rao, he's, turn, he's turning some good laps himself. And Jerry Kraut, they're really doing a nice job. Jerry, uh, a very successful uh, businessman uh, from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. He, this is his 53rd start in, in all IMSA prototype lights or prototype challenge competition. And that was his first win that he scored along with his Australian teammate, Scott Andrews, young Australian teammate, uh, Scott Andrews, last time out at Sebring. So Jerry, again, his home track, he would love nothing more to have another victory for that team. Safety cars back in the pit lane as we get ready to go back to green flag racing. And it is waving in the air once again as David Grant launches away from the rest of the pack, crossing the line seven tenths ahead of Naveen Rao in second place. And then Jerry Kraut still in third, Dom Cicero in fourth position. Now, this is going to be a difficult moment for Dane Goldberg, who's already shown a lot of impatience so far in the race today. Now, with everybody bunched back, I'm sure that Brent O'Neill is on the radio to him saying, breathe. Breathe, go to your happy place. Don't try and make any dives just because you see a car right in front of you. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Except Brent O'Neill will be a lot more forceful, I can tell you. Uh, he'll be on the yes. radio today. Dan, <laughs> do not make another mistake. He'll make it perfectly clear. If you can make up some ground, all, all well and good, but do not risk anything. Just bring, keep that car where it is. Uh, the car is, is in good shape. He's had a spin, but there shouldn't be any damage to that number six car. So uh, the car should be fast, and we know that Rasmus Lind is super fast. So once he gets behind a bit of that car, we'll be looking to charge in the later stages of this race. Uh, the super glue didn't work, Jeremy, and the 60 is back in the pit lane. So Bruce Hamilton perhaps now feeling that uh, wonky right front wheel as the battling out on track is heating up. And for that, Dan Goldberg car, well, the bait is being dangled right in front of him. The carrot is right there. The carrot, unfortunately, is the MLT Motorsports Ligier of Dom Cicero. So this is going to turn into a feisty little battle, too. Going through the carousel now, coming out, they're going to go through the kink and then have that nice long run down to Canada Corner. We need Goldberg to be patient and to make his move when he feels that the window is open because... I like Brent and Gwen O'Neill a lot, and I know that what you said is true, Jeremy. There will be some forceful language going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, Dominic Cicero is doing a nice job in the early stages of this race in that MLT Motorsports car number 54. He qualified uh, pretty averagely down in the eighth position, but he's got that car now up into fourth place, and we'll be looking to, to build on that. He'll be sharing that number 54 car with Dakota Dickerson, who's another young charger. Uh, and right behind them is that number six car, the Motel 6 entry for, for Performance Tech Motorsports with Dan Goldberg. He's thinking about trying to make a move as they head up yeah. the hill over the, start, over the start finish line, heading towards turn one. Yes, he is tucked in right behind. You can't even see the number six as they cross the start finish line. But as they go into turn one, the 54 of Dom Cicero just managing to keep that little bit of an advantage and keeping his car well placed on the track. Now, at this point, if you're on the MLT Motorsport box, you tell your driver not to look in his mirrors, not to react to what the car behind you is doing unless it looks like he's going to come in and hit you, and then at all costs try to save the car. But also, this battling has allowed Joe Robillard to catch back up. So the driver in sixth position for the number 10 Robillard Racing in his Norma now sees two Ligiers ahead of him, and he says, hmm, maybe there's an opportunity. A little bit of lockup from the number 54, so Dom clearly feeling a little bit of pressure there. That's only going to whet the appetite of Dan Goldberg even more, and he manages to go through the turn the last he was this close to somebody he wound up spinning manages to keep four wheels pointing in the right direction though yeah don't get greedy down the hill there into turn eight no he is going to get greedy okay he's going to make a dive for the inside that's a bit of a late pass and he's he's not learned from his earlier mistake as dan goldberg because he's done pretty much exactly what he did before just got it in there too deep uh dominic sister had he didn't have to give up that line at all he was just holding his line on the outside dan goldberg has to had to pinch the, the nose of the car down to get it turned into the corner in order not to make contact with number 54 it ended up spinning himself again getting another opportunity to see this and you called it jeremy don't make the move he did it was the same spot as last time going into turn eight the same result you try to go up the inside a little bit too much curb a little bit too much contact with the car on the outside and it resulted in another spin for dan goldberg so now he's lost a ton of positions and is back down in the ninth position we have some penalties that have come through from race control by the way Car number 47, that is Bill Jenko. Penalty, incident responsibility, drive-through. This is all in relation to that contact to turn five, keep in mind. We also have a penalty for car 60, that is Bruce Hamilton. Incident responsibility, drive-through. 
Now, we saw his car come back into pit lane and then go back out once again. He is running in the 12th position as Bruce Hamilton. That would be incident responsibility for not slowing down enough and then causing the contact at the apex. As Joel Janko is in now to serve his drive through for backing or for hitting the backside of Stephen Thomas to begin the whole kerfuffle. So at least race control has checked the incidents. They have given out the punishments. And now we can put that behind us and go back to some good old motor racing. Yes. So uh, it goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? I'm not sure what uh, what Bruce Hamilton's, uh, what, what that, that incident responsibility was, was for. Maybe the race control thought he, uh, it must have been some other incident, I believe, rather than that incident we saw down in turn five where he appeared to be kind of an innocent victim. I don't know, we'll see. Anyhow, the, that car is out of contention in any case. Uh, but up at the front, David Grant, he's extending his lead again, but not by as much as it was before. 3.1 seconds is his lead over Naveen Rao in second place. Jerry Crowd is hanging right with him. And then just a little, little bit further back is this battle for fourth position with Dominic Cicero now under pressure, not from... Dan Goldberg anymore, but this time it's Joe Robillard. <laughs> well, Joe Robillard has really come on strong at this uh, over the oh, last he? 12 months or so. Yeah, Joe Robillard, who has driven here once again in the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series, but that time was in a Porsche with Stephen McAleer. So he knows at least which way the track goes, but he's just driving with such confidence, Jeremy. He's, he's almost like a different driver as opposed to last year in the series when he did do most of the races. He and Stephen McAleer not driving together at Daytona, uh, but they did drive separate cars for most of the season. McAleer winding up second in the championship with two race wins, one coming at Sebring and one coming at VIR. He's got this different current personality. You can see it in the body language of the car, though. He's way more comfortable with what he's driving, and he feels like he has a race car underneath him that he can help get to the front, not just keep on the track and then hand over to Stephen Mackle. Yeah, I mean, he, he's worked super hard as Joe Robillard to, to, to get his pace uh, to be competitive, and uh, he's made great strides. His confidence is just getting better and better with every weekend. Uh, this team, of course, really unfortunate in the first race of the championship at Daytona. They had some contaminated fuel, weren't even able to start that race. So start up the, so they went into the season you know, with a no score in that first race. For, so far as the championship is concerned, that's really, really bad news for them. So they're just going for wins. And Stephen McAleer, uh, he uh, had to make do uh, last time out with a with a second place finish, but still that was good points to start off the season. Here's now Dan Goldberg again making a move down the inside. This time on uh, on uh, on Greg Palmer, local driver from Colgate, Wisconsin, and this time, well done, Dan. Nice clean move takes that position. <laughs> Left a Third lot of lucky, space huh? as he went down the inside. Uh, that was a much, much cleaner move. Uh, so the Palmers now falling back one more position in their Ligier. But it is the closest battle on track with uh, Dom Cicero and Joe Robillard still, as if Robillard has deployed a toha to the back of Cicero, not letting 54 get out of sight. In front of them, though, the leader, four seconds. So it's not a big gap for David not as big as it was at the start of the race before that full course caution came out. Naveen Rao in second. And then in third, Jerry Kraut. One and a half seconds between Rao and Kraut, by the way, for those of you at home trying to keep score. Cameron Castles is in sixth position right now, as we've been talking about the battle for fourth and fifth. And in seventh is John Brownson, nearly 20 seconds behind the leader. 
but well within the sights of Dan Goldberg. Once again, Dan's going to have an opportunity to make a pass and to prove that he gets an opportunity to make a pass once again. Not quite close enough this time as they head toward turn one is Joe Robillard. The lead now for David Grant out over five seconds. And once again, he's pulling away at about a second a lap over Naveen Rao in second place. Jerry Kraut hanging within a couple of seconds in third position in car number nine. And then this battle uh, for, uh, for fourth and fifth. And then further back is Dan Goldberg as he's still still trying to move his way back up the pack. He's now gone up to behind John Brownson. Well, he's he's John Brownson is known as Mr. Excitement, but uh, today Mr. Excitement, no yeah. doubt about, is Dan Goldberg. So this could get interesting with these two. Uh, uh, you know, when one tries to make a pass on the other, which will happen, I think, fairly soon, because Dan Goldberg is a little bit quicker than John Brownson, although Brownson pulls away on the straight this time as they head down into turn five. This is going to be quite a battle, I think, between these two. Yeah. Norma versus Ligier, Performance Tech versus 47 Motorsport. But the moment of panic will come for the Performance Tech crew. Once Dan Goldberg gets around John Brownson, which is sort of inevitable at this point, given their relative paces, the next car in Goldberg will be his sister car. And that's Cameron Castles in another tech. So that'll have a giant blinking target on it saying, do not hit. As the pass was made, as Brownson just went a little bit off course at the exit of turn eight, and it all came up sunshine and daisies as the six is now into the seventh position. So you can make a move, a, a passing move in turn seven without spinning. <laughs> so he's learned something there. And uh, now that's going to leave John Brownson now under pressure from uh, Greg Palmer, uh, local driver from Colgate, Wisconsin, uh, local businessman. He had he drives this car, number three car, the junior three racing entry with his son, Eric. Two of them had their best ever four. was a big sideways slide out of Canada corner for John Brownson. Mr. Excitement living up to his name. But Greg Palmer not quite close enough to make a move. But the number three car of Greg Palmer, great result for them last time out of the sea when they kept their noses clean. He and his son had came away with a career best fifth place finish. And they uh, hoped to do even better than that here this weekend. But it's certainly been a good run in the early stages. They had some problems in that number three car yesterday. There was a break they had. At, first of all, the transponder wasn't working the first set so they didn't record a time and then it, later on they had some brake issues and and uh, Greg brought the car into the pits during the qualifying session and as a result of that it wasn't allowed to go out again so no qualifying time set by that number th three car I had to start from the back of the field in the 13th position and now Greg Palmer is up into ninth yeah they've been having their results every time tenth at Daytona fifth at Sebring I guess that means they're going to finish two and a half at this roundup. It's sixth in points for the father and son team coming into this weekend. That's got to be a good feeling for them, not knowing where they would stack up in the championship and then to actually have a shot as the pass is made. Palmer gets around Brownson going through turn five, makes it look easy. So that was a beautiful move for the hometown hero. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah, an excellent move by... Uh by uh, Greg Palmer. Really fine move. He's, he's gaining confidence in this car. He, he and his son came here. They ran the June sprints in this car for an SCCA race back in, I think it was, I guess it was June. So he's driven this car at this racetrack. Some of the other teams have been up here to do some testing as well. And Greg Palmer's clearly uh, taking advantage of that previous track time. 
Yeah, that was a very clean move for sure from Greg Palmer. Very impressive as we go back now to the battle on track. The next closest, two closest cars, about half a second separates Cicero from Robillard. And they continue to just, well, mock each other in the mirrors for Robillard. It's trying to get around that red and white car from MLT Motorsports, the Atlanta-based team. And for Cicero, it's trying to keep the green and blue and black Norma behind him. And Joe Robillard has proven today that he can be quite difficult at keeping behind him. Yeah, it's been a really good drive by both of these two. And you know, all of the leaders now are running kind of similar lap times. I'm not sure what happened to David Grant last time around. Not, not the lap had just completed. The lap before that, all of a sudden, he lost over two seconds of his lead to, to the second-place oh. car of Naveen Rao. And now that gap has stabilized around about three and a half seconds. And here is a nice move down to the uh, inside. That would be, I think... Joel Janko and Joel Bruce Janko, Hamilton, yeah. Jeremy? Yeah. All right. Yep. Oh, that's right. They're Bruce fighting back for the... Yes. Uh, a, a couple of laps down is Bruce Hamilton. Oh, no. There's Greg Palmer in the gravel. Oh, curse of the commentator. We're saying nice things about Greg Palmer, and now he is off. Is he beached? Is he unable to get out of there? I don't see a wheel spinning, but I don't see how he can get himself out of that position. Is that at the bottom of the racetrack? No, that is just coming into turn three, actually. So that will most likely need a little bit of assistance to try and get out of that gravel pit. We are two minutes and 45 seconds away from the pit window opening. So it's not quite a bad time for this to come out. We could get a lot of cars diving into the pit lane as soon as it goes back to racing, assuming we do go to yellow. Um, what happened to put Palmer in the gravel to begin with? He's driving on his own, and the back end just comes around on him when he gets into the braking zone. Yeah, just oh, locked up the rear brakes. Of course, caution is out, by the way. Yeah, just locked up the rear brakes, heading into that corner, just pushing hard. He'd, his confidence was high. He just made that move for position, uh, and uh, then he, he, he uh, jumped on the brakes down there, coming, coming down the hill into turn three. Unfortunately, the brake bias clearly, clearly not quite right rightly set up we talked about it just a few minutes ago they had some brake problems in this car yesterday and clearly there was a, the rear brakes are locked up you could see as the car was spinning around the, there was rubber being laid down by those rear tires they were clearly locked up but not the fronts uh, as he as he spun that car around in turn three ended up in a gravel trap as you say unfortunately no choice but another full course caution Everybody going slow, coming down the front straight, waiting to be picked up by the safety car, the Chevrolet Corvette C8, the street version. So a centered engine Corvette leading them round and round in America's Park of Speed. And just one more opportunity. Yeah, the back end snapped around relatively quickly on that one. But as you rightly say, Jeremy, brake bias issue. Yeah, relatively quickly, massively quickly. I mean, it just snapped on him, didn't he? As he turned yeah. that car into the corner and around he went. That's really unfortunate for Greg. Uh, they had a good run going here, uh, uh, but now they're going to be, they, you could just see the leaders going through. They're going to be one lap down before they can get that car dragged out and back out onto the racetrack. So that's another car that's pretty much out of contention. We did talk about the number 60 car of Bruce Hamilton. Uh, he was able to get that car back underway again, but he is two laps down at this stage. The good news, though, for, for this full course caution is for the car number 47 for Joel Janko, because he'd had well, he's had numerous spins, hasn't he? But uh, he was on the lead lap. He's now able to close in on the back of the pack. And as you say, I think the uh, the pits are going to be open and the 
minimum drive time will have been met, minimum drive time requirement will have been met by the end of this lap. So the t teams are able to come into the pits, change their drivers, and for most of them, it'll be the quicker pro driver that will get in for the second stint. And that is particularly good news for Joel Janko, who comes into this race in the points table in third place, just seven points behind Naveen Rao and Matt Bell, who lead. That's the number 64 cars running in second place at the moment. Uh, and uh, in second place in the points is Dakota Dickerson, who is sandwiched between them, just four points behind. He's driving that 54 car with Dominic Cicero. It's going to be a long drive back around the pit lane for the number three of David Grant, as we were just talking about. Uh, now we're going to get an indication as to when the pit lane is open by the lights that flash on the pit lane wall. They are red and yellow. If they're flashing, pit lane is closed. Do not come in. If they're not flashing, pit lane is open. And guess what? The pit lane is open. So this is a perfect opportunity for the teams to get their mandatory drive time accomplished to get their one driver out of the car, their second driver into the car, and not lose as much time as when it was green. Because green, you're going to lose a lot more space to the competition. That's why yellow flag pit stops are such an advantage. Now, the lights are out on the safety car because we did see the number three able to get moving once again, the junior three racing team. So when we go back to racing, the question is going to be, do you send your driver back out to try and gain a little bit of an advantage or do you bring them into the pit lane and lose a little bit less time because there will be driver changes going on while people are still getting back up to speed. We are going to be going back green this time around. Gosh, I don't know what I would do. I I would say if you've got a significant gap between the times of your two drivers, then perhaps you pit the driver who qualified and started the car. But if they're both fairly close in times, you might want to leave your driver out. Could be carnage here as people decide whether or not they're coming into the pit lane. I believe, Shay, when we go back to green, I think you have to go past the start finish line before you can come into the pit lane. Uh, yes, but the pits, that's only if the pits were closed. I'm not sure no, that no, they no. were closed at any point. On, on the restart. Okay, well, we do have we do have three cars diving into the pit lane, and there is contact if somebody decides to stay out at the last minute. It is green flag in the air. I guess we'll be getting our answer, Jeremy, when race control issues penalties, but uh, we should be seeing a lot of people diving into the pit lane the next time around, either way. Looks like Jonathan George, John Brownson, and Jerry Kraut have all come into the pit lane. Cars number 977. Everyone else has stayed out. And at 11.15 local time, there was a message from race control saying pits are open. So perhaps it was an opportunity to go in and get your pit stop accomplished as we've gone back screen and already two seconds near enough the gap between first and second as they drive through turn number five. Hey, Ben Goldberg made another pass without hitting a car, and it was his team car. Perfect opportunity there. Congratulations, Dan. That was a good pass, team. That was a good pass. So he's up now into the sixth position. I think that will be with us with the Jerry Kraut car. Uh, had been running in third place, making his way onto the pit lane. He will take uh, hand over that car to Scott Andrews, and the battle continues here out front. 
So that's fuel and tires for the three cars in the pit lane and driver changes as well. As you said, Scott Andrews for Jerry Kraut, the winners the last time out. Don Brownson will be handing over to Wyatt Schwab in the number 74, 47 Motorsport. And for Joel Janko, that's John George taking over for the other 47 Motorsports Norma. So a lot of driver changes going on in the pit lane, but we're about to see a whole lot more when the cars do start coming into the pits. Right now, the crews... We've got them coming through Canada Corner. At least Naveen Rao exits Canada Corner. I think David Grant's already practically off to turn 14 at this point, Jeremy. Yeah, he's made another good start here as David Grant. And, of course, the the, the downside to, to making a pit stop now is that there is still uh, uh, over an hour remaining in this race and the cars can not quite do an hour on a tank of fuel. So people coming, dri drivers coming into the pits and making this change now, they're going to have to hope for some full course caution, I believe, in order for them to, to be able to get to the end of the race without requiring an additional splash of fuel. Ooh, sketchy moment as two of the cars coming back out from the pit lane. Scott Andrews and Wyatt Schwab get a little bit tangled up there with our race leader, David Grant, who has to slide off of turn one. And the rest of the battling pack behind him, two and a half seconds, seconds behind him. It was three and a half seconds. And they now have to squabble amongst themselves. We do also want to let you know that Stephen Thomas for K2R Motorsport has gone behind the wall in that number 11 car. So the team continuing to work on it, but now back in a place where they can get more mechanics. As Joe Robillard makes a brilliant dive down the inside, going into turn five. His passes today have been fabulous. That was on the MLP Motorsports uh, Ligier of Dom Cicero. Great move by Robert. I think it was actually on the lap car, Bruce Hamilton, wasn't it? But uh, I think Dominic Cicero is still just, just about ahead of that little battle. Here he comes down the hill into turn seven. There's Joe Robillard behind him. And then the Wolver Racing entry that is two laps down being followed now by the number six car. That is Dan Goldberg. He is not a lap down. He is in the fifth position with his performance tech motorsports teammate. They, the uh, blue and yellow car right behind that Motel 6 entry. And Robillard now looking at the Cicero car. I gave him credit for making the pass before he actually did. And that time he gets it done at the exit of the carousel before even getting to the kink. Robillard now up into the third position. Still owes us a pit stop. And when he comes in, it will be Stephen McAleer, the Scotsman, taking over. As cars are dropping wheels, that was Dan Goldberg dropping two wheels off to driver's left before breaking into Canada Corner. We saw a Scotsman do a very successful pass at that point on track last year in the rain. That, that was a moment there for Dan Goldberg. I'm sure that would have caught his attention. Yeah, the moments are not new to Dan Goldberg in this race. It's been an eventful race, hasn't it, for him? <laughs> so far let's have another look here though this at uh, a replay heading into Canada Whoa. corner Dan Goldberg's on the grass uh, as they uh, as they uh, take that sort of final kink not the kink before the uh, right-hander at Canada corner but he gets away with it goodness that was very very close to having a gift wrapped front of the performance tech Ligier with a, a lovely little weather tech banner on it but he managed to pull it back out on the track and I'm sure that the people in IMSA marketing will be very grateful to him for not knocking over one of their signs as they do have to go back out and set those up throughout the day. And hello to all of our friends in IMSA, by the way, who are there enjoying the beautiful weather this weekend. I've actually heard from a couple of people, including Aaron, saying that the weather is ideal at the moment as we have 57 minutes, 45 seconds left in this race. And you've got to be thinking that the second drivers are all up on the wall right now, Jeremy, all with their helmets on, all going, 
come on, I want to go drive around Road America. Yeah, that's right. And uh, with uh, 57 minutes remaining, uh, I would say po possibly this lap or, or, or the next, we will see the, the leaders coming onto pit lane. They should be able to run flat out from there to the end of this race course. Be a four mile track. A uh, four-mile racetrack, which says Joe Robillard running way wide at the exit of turn seven, but Dominic Cicero not quite close enough to make uh, a, a repassing attempt there, so he has to tuck in behind him as he heads through the kink, and now that uh, the slipperiness of the Norma over the Ligier is really apparent on the straight. As they come out of the carousel, the Norma of Joe Robillard able to march away from Dom Cicero in at number 54 MLT Ligier. I wonder if maybe Rollard had just gotten the call, boxed this lap, and it caught him out by surprise because he doesn't want to give up his seat in the car just quite yet. It was one of those weird instances of just running a little bit too far off the track, as if perhaps a little bit of distraction had come into play. But this train of cars, Rollard, Cicero, Goldberg, Castle, and LaHaye, uh, not too far, uh, well, no, he's seven seconds behind, but they all decide to stay out this lap. And now our leader has a little bit of traffic behind him. Is that a lapped car, perhaps, Jeremy? Uh, our, lead, our leader? That's the number one. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's Scott, Scott Andrews. Andrews. Scott right Andrews up. right behind him. Scott Andrews has just set the fastest lap of the race. He's taken over that number nine car. He's a lap down uh, at the moment and trying to get to make that lap back again. To 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 uh, not not this is not a pass for for position on the on the uh, in the race, but it is a it is a crucial pass that uh, Scott Andrews will want to make. Uh, and continue to turn some good laps here and uh, make up that deficit for when the other leaders come in to make their pit stops. But I very much doubt that the number nine car, unless there is another full course caution, could get to the end of this race without requiring a splash of fuel before the finish. Certainly not when Scott Andrews is driving it with that much vigor and excitement. Set the fastest lap time the last time around, did the young Australian. Now U.S.-based driver, but it is still the orange and black car, 47 Motorsport, of David Grant leading the way. We did, by the way, have one pit caller. That was Dan Goldberg in the number six. He came in in that Motel 6-sponsored car and is handing over finally breathe a sigh of relief to Rasmus Lind. I know that uh, Brent O'Neill is going to be very happy that the car came back in one piece with all the bodywork as it should be waiting on the fuel, the tire change nearly done. They're just doing the right rear at this point and making sure that there's a clean windshield for Rasmus. Once he gets to go out on track, door closes, waiting on that final wheel to go on. Wheel gun is attached. Zing, it goes. Down goes the air jack. Now we go. Car should be firing back up and heading out on track. There is still a minimum time, and the IMSA safety officials watching over. Honey Knots just making sure that everything is okay. Rasmus Lind waved out of the pit lane. Yeah, the young Swede then uh, will take over that car. We'll have to see where he comes out in relation, particularly to uh, Scott Andrews. Uh, just behind the, uh, him, I think. Car. Yeah, just behind him, exactly right. So this is going to be really interesting. Two young chargers there. Uh, Scott, I still call Scott Andrews a young charger. He's, he's actually he'll be 30 later on this month, which is amazing to me. He doesn't seem uh, to be uh, he's been around that he, over here in the states that long. Very talented young man though. Uh, and there is Greg Palmer. So they've got that car back out of the racetrack, and he is that is a, a battle actually for 10th to 11th positions there with Joel Jank, with Jonathan George, who's taken over that number 47 car from uh from uh, joel janko he has made that pass for position before greg palmer brings that car onto pit lane to hand over to his son 
A little bit of lockup there for Rasmus Lind as he's getting up to speed in the Performance Tech blue and red car. That's the number six going into five. Just a brief bit of white smoke emerging from the back of that car, but no harm, no foul as in front of him. Now, is that Jonathan George or is that David Grant? 47 Norma as there's a spin further back. Cameron Castles. Uh, had handed over to Wyatt Schwab. Uh, no, Cameron Castles is still in the number 75 as he has come to a stop at the exit of turn eight just beyond the Corvette Bridge. He is off the racing line, gets the car refired and going once again. So Cameron Castles, Cameron, remember, we got all your bad luck out of the way yesterday. That was actually a turn six, it was. Uh, you got all your bad luck out of the way yesterday. Stop this. You don't need to do any more of it. Uh, the young... Uh, well, very successful. Young at heart, I'll say, Jeremy, Canadian. Yeah, a new fastest lap there for um, uh, Scott Andrews. Uh, two minutes, 3.4343 for, for the number nine car. Uh, he's still uh, way down the, order, the overall order, but of course he's, he's already made a pit stop and several of the others have not. Here is, I think that was Dom Cicero was not bringing that car into pit. And also David Grant is on pit lane as well in the leading car number 40. Leader in the pits means that for the first time this lap around, right about now. Oh, no, they come into the pits too. I was going to say we're going to have a new leader, but David Grant followed into the pit lane by Naveen Rao and Joe Robillard. So that is cars 40, 64, and 10 all into the pit lane. Staying out was Dom Cicero. So the MLT Motorsport car will be having credited with the lead this lap around. It is fuel and tires for David Grant as he hands over to Keith. We've got Naveen Rao out and British Matt Bell taking over, getting his first racing laps around Road America. That'll be fun to watch. And, of course, Joe Robillard handing over to Stephen McLear in the number 10. Also into the pit lane, by the way, the 75 performance tech. So Cameron Castles is into the pit lane this time around, handing over to Maxwell Hanratty. Yeah, local driver from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So Max will be uh, looking to have a good, strong race for that Performance Tech team. And I'll tell you what, it's been an eventful day, hasn't it, for, 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 for Performance Tech with the number six car and the number 75 turning multiple revolutions out on the racetrack. As Cameron Castle's in the pits right now to hand over to Maxwell Hanratty. Dom Cicero still out of the pit lane as, oh no, there's a penalty coming through for car number 10. That's Robillard Racing drive-through for pit lane speeding violation. Well, that's that car out of contention, at least for the time being for a podium position. This is possibly the one track that do not want to get a drive-through penalty, the longest pit lane of anyone that we go to. And it's uphill and it's quite a difficult process. So for Stephen Mackler, gets behind the wheel of the car, gets to leave the pit lane, and unfortunately will have to be making a trip back down it. It was five clicks over the speed limit, five kilometers an hour on the way in. Oh, that's unfortunate. As the 75 is still in for its service, that is the performance tech machine of Y12 that we were just talking about, uh, Maxwell Handwriting that we were just talking about. As leaving the pit lane, Stephen Mackler getting passed by both Scott Andrews and Rasmus Lind as they're already up to speed with warm tires on the car. No tire warmers in this series. Got to do all the heavy lifting yourself, which makes it quite a bit more fun, to be honest. 
as Dom Cicero into the pit lane in the 54. So Dakota Dickerson will be taking over for that second in points coming into the race today, looking to try and get it one position better. Paul LaHaye is still showing as being out of track. Remember, solo for the 86 one motorsports car. So he doesn't have to get out of the car. He can just take a slight breather and get a water bottle. A slight bit of a refreshment. Boy, Scott Andrews is really flying out there. Jeremy, a 202.2 the last time around as compared to Rasmus Lind with a 205.4. That's a big difference between the two cars, especially since we believe that Scott Andrews has to pit again for fuel. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's, you know, I, I'm sure uh, Rasmus Lind at this stage, you know, he's, he's still getting up to speed in this car. He's only turned a very few laps in, in practice yesterday. Uh, in this car around here, as I said before, it's a completely different car to anything he's driven around here uh, in the past. And Rasmus, I mean, look, he, he's, a, he's a youngster, he's still only 19 years of age, so he's got an awful lot to, to learn about racing. But uh, here is uh, Scott Andrews. That's right right behind, I think, is it not the, the Grant car of, uh, of, it uh, is. of now Keith Grant having taken over the wheel? He's, he had that big lead early on. He's able to maintain it after the pit stops. So they come across the line now to complete lap 20, this lap 24 for these guys. So they've still got a whole lap to make up with the other cars still on pit lane. Number 54 car, number 86 actually will lead uh, this lap is Paul LaHaye staying out longest in that one motorsports Ligier. Feather in the cap of Paul LaHaye, whose best finish last year was at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park 15th. So we'll be excited to see his number and name at the top of the screen as Stephen McAleer into the pit lane to serve that drive-through for slight speeding on the pit lane, five kilometers an hour. But rules are rules and you have to follow them. So if there is speeding, it's going to be someone who pays the price. Yeah, that's a critical penalty Falling there, down. certainly for Stephen McAleer. Yeah, it's going to cost him a lot. Yeah, down to eighth place now, and I'm sure he's going to lose a couple more positions. There's ninth as into the pit lane comes the number 60 on a fight back for Bruce Hamilton, handing over to Tonus Kasmitz, the Estonian driver, as you rightly said, back in the 11th position and one lap off the lead, but on the same lap, as the number three for Junior 3 Motorsports. So there is still a, a battle to go on between those two cars fighting for the 11th position. And we have not seen the 13th place car, Seth, uh, Stephen Thomas, come back out from behind the wall. So the K2R Motorsport car still having work done on it as we are nearing 46 minutes to go in this race. There's Paula Hay, the bright green car. You can't miss it. He always runs such great bright liveries on his cars, Jeremy. You remember the bright pink one? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is... Uh... Yeah, he and Dave House generally share this car. Uh, I love this pairing because they've got a combined age of over 140. It's fabulous. Uh, but <laughs> Paul is uh, driving solo this weekend with Dave uh, still sequestered his home in uh, California. And Dave, I'm sure you're watching and uh, we, we, we hope you, you're going to be back with us soon. This whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic has really caused all sorts of problems. And particularly for someone like D Dave, who's you know, particularly susceptible, of course, given his age to this virus. So he's wisely staying at home right now. And Paul is going to do solo duties this weekend. He's done a nice job. He's kept his nose clean and is, uh, has led at least one lap of this race, which is always a feather in his cap. Yeah, it's always a nice little uh, sheet of paper when you can take it home and it shows your name next to the words 
leader. So it's possibly not as good as a trophy, but hey, it's still something to uh, take back as Scott Andrews is now the leader for JVC Motorsports in the Norma. In second is Keith Grant in his Norma, the number 40 that led the entire opening stint of this race. And then back in third is Rasmus Lind. 10.8 seconds behind the leader right now. So that is quite a big gap for Scott Andrews. But again, we're not entirely sure that he can make it to the end without a little bit of help from yellows. Back in fourth is the number 40, the number 74 for 47 Motorsport. That is Wyatt Schwab in that Norma. Then British Matt Bell in fifth for K2R Motorsport. That's a car that we need to keep an eye on, that number 64, because they are the championship leaders coming into this race. They were at second position for the entirety of the opening stint. It won't be too much longer before Matt Bell gets his... Uh, water legs sea legs underneath them and gets back up to speed at road america yeah just uh, just look excuse me go ahead jeremy no i'm just uh, looking at the uh the, some of the pit stops there, I'm trying to find out what sort of time, because number 54 car seems to have lost quite a bit of ground during that round of pit stops, Added, as did the number 64. Matt Bell has taken over from Naveen Rao in, car, in, in that car number 64 for K2R Motorsports, but he's fallen all the way from second position back to, uh, he's running in the, what it'll be the fifth place net right now. Hmm. That is strange. You would have to imagine that that would be because of an elongated pit stop. Now, there is a minimum time, but it is shorter than it was in the past. So into giving the teams more confidence, they're saying, hey, we believe that you guys can do this and giving them more autonomy to try and determine how long they need to take in the pit lane. But there is still a minimum time that they have to reach as that is local boy Max Hanratty getting around Paul LaHaye very good pass going through Canada corner for the youngster as all of a sudden yep there we go all of a sudden that does come to play sets the fastest lap time the last time around so clearly he's comfortable with the car and putting aside whatever happened in the pit stop to try and move back up to the front in the best way he knows how by passing cars yeah just look at the uh, the the pit lane time for number 64 car was uh two minutes and five seconds whereas the number 40 car of uh, the grant brothers was in the pit lane for i think one minute uh, 51 seconds so that's a big discrepancy uh, and it's a lot of time that has to be made up now by matt bell wow that is a huge difference but you know honestly if anybody can do it i would put a pretty good amount of money on matt bell a guy who got a couple of race wins last year he won And no, he didn't get any race wins. Excuse me, he got a couple of podiums. He finished third at Sebring, which was the first time that he drove in this series and with uh, Naveen Rao. And then, of course, he finished second solo at the Petit Le Mans, the Road Atlanta round of the championship. So he's still looking for a win as far as far as that goes. Could very well get it done here. New fastest lap of the race there by, it, it is that number 64 car of Matt Bell down into the uh, low two minute twos now, two minute two point zero point, point two minutes two point one six nine seconds. So that's uh, a second quicker than Scott Andrews has managed out in the lead of this race. But uh, still a lot of ground to be made up for Matt Bell, who's uh, 
about 15 seconds behind the race leader. Yeah, but with the two minute 1.6, uh, given that the cars in front of him are doing a two minute 4.3, a two minute 3.5, a two minute 4.7, it's going to be catching up to those cars ahead of him before too much longer. He's only got three seconds to the car ahead of him, and he's gaining about three seconds a lap. So Matt Bell is having the opportunity to try and catch up to these cars, and he can actually see the car of Wyatt Schwab ahead of, ahead of him. So target a very dangerous thing a race car driver when you can actually see your prey they're a bit like lions in some senses they uh they just go in straight for the kill three cars battling down the front straight that's stephen mcalear in the back trying to get around paul lahay and in front of them i believe that is max hanratty nope uh that would be jonathan george for 47 motorsports so quite the battle going on further back down the field for the eighth position yeah, that was uh, Steve McAleer there making up a position on the uh, number 86 car. And right ahead of them is the number 47, Jonathan George. So the two cars heading this little group coming into turn five are battling for position. That is for eighth and ninth on the road. And Paul LaHaye in the green and black car back to tenth position. are still on the lead lap. So if there's another full course caution, that's going to allow both Jonathan George and Steve McAleer to make up a fair bit of ground. That is true, Steve Jeremy, Fox, but Fox that Fox also would game, bring though. Scott Andrews. Scott Andrews would be safe to make it to the end then. So that would complicate things. Would give us about five cats among the pigeons. <laughs> now, there's keeps being i don't know if you're able to see this on your time and jeremy but there must be some kind of a transponder glitch with scott andrews because every now and then his car drops well down the timing charts and then goes back up to the top at random so don't worry if you're watching timing and scoring at home and perhaps don't have access to the pictures scott andrew in the number nine does continue to lead for jdc motorsports in the dark blue car But he's now got almost 10 seconds of Keith Brandt. What a job Scott Andrews is doing. hes It's got to be one of two things, Jeremy. Either he's fine on fuel and knows it, or he knows he's not fine on fuel and will have to make another stop. So he's pushing to try and build enough of a gap to do a splash and dash. Yeah, if he can run over an hour, uh, I'd certainly be surprised. I mean, he came in to the pits compared to most of the other leaders uh, five laps earlier. Uh, I can't see any way that uh, he would be able to make it to the end from there. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm not uh, driving the car. Scott Andrews had a lot of experience in these cars, racing not only here in North America, but also in the LMP3 series in Europe as well. Uh, so he's he's learned a lot about saving fuel over the years. But uh, I think it's going to be quite a feat if he can stretch it all the way to the end of this race. But there's still lots of battles yeah, going on behind. Just just to put that into perspective really quickly, it's a 4.048 mile track. So if you're gonna go five laps more, that's 20 miles more, where most of the track is flat out. That's a lot of fuel burn. And a lot of the track being uphill, you don't have a lot of coasting, you do have heavy braking points. It's not exactly a place where you can save on fuel. And how many times over the years, I mean, we could ask Ben Elliott, he's won it, so he's not just run out of fuel in the last quarter. But how many times have we seen that happen to drivers? Leading, they go into 14, 
and they don't have enough to make it up the hill. I just really don't want to see that happen for Scott Andrews and the JDC Motorsports team today. 29 laps complete, by the way, as Scott Andrews continues to lead a battle going on as Matt Bell spots a new target, Wyatt Schwab, now well within his grasp. But unfortunately, Wyatt is also in Enorma, so it's light car versus light car. It's going to be difficult to try and get around Wyatt Schwab, especially since he has the advantage of knowing the track. Matt Bell doesn't. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, but uh, certainly, and, and Wyatt's just turned, he just turned his best lap of the race last time around in that uh, fourth place car, car number 74, headed down into turn five. Just doesn't need to take a defensive line into that corner, uh, and, but he does run a bit wide on the exit. That might give up an, an opportunity here as they head up the hill. Indeed, it does. Whoa, and that was a hold your breath kind of moment for Matt Bell as he dove down the inside at turn six, but Wyatt Schwab stays patient waits until they go through turn seven and repasses the Englishman. So great job by the young American kid to keep a cool head on his shoulders and keep the 47 Motorsport Norma in front of the uh, K2R Motorsport Norma. Really good move by Wyatt. I'm impressed with that one. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? That was that was uh, good driving by both of them there. Good bit of patience displayed there by Matthew Bell in that n number 64 car. Uh, and uh, he's going to bide his time and make sure he's got a clear opportunity before uh, he uh, tries to make a lunge for the inside. But certainly good driving there from Wyatt Schwab as well. He made a bit of a mistake at turn five, but was able to defend that position up at the top of the hill. Yeah, didn't get frazzled by the mistake. That That's a very good sign of maturity from Wyatt Schwab. So I'm quite impressed with that driving. Now, those two cars falling back to three seconds behind Rasmus Lind in the number six performance tech Ligier. So they can't take too much off of each other with battling. They do need to keep their heads down to move forward because Scott Andrews is 11 and a half seconds clear of second place. And with 35 and a half minutes to go, there's still a lot of track to try and catch back up, assuming we don't go yellow once more. Yeah, this battle, though, you can see here's a second, third, fourth, and fifth place cars all coming down the hill into turn five. We saw for a moment that's the battle for uh, fourth and fifth. There was White Schwab still holding off Matt Bell, but both of these two are closing up on that battle now for second place with Keith Grant having fallen back into the clutches of Rasmus Lind, who's really got the bit between his teeth in that number six car. The track temperature has also risen a bunch. It's now 109 degrees Fahrenheit, whereas the ambient air temperature is only 73. So there's going to be a lot of grip out there on the track, a lot of places where you could potentially make a move that perhaps you couldn't when it was still cooler at the beginning of the race. So that's a big difference. High humidity, but still no rain for this race at the very least. There's a potential of rain moving in within the next couple of hours. So cloud cover could start to become a factor within the next 30 minutes or so. But Keith Grant with his hands full for Rasmus Lind. And then Wyatt Schwab still trying to fend off Matt Bell. We do have a four-way fight for second place because as soon as this comes into petition for the second place position, well, third and fourth will be right there too. Yeah, they will. This is super racing going on here. The first opening stages of the race were, were not too exciting with the, the leaders getting pretty much strung out. And even though Scott Andrews has a good lead right now, number one, we don't know whether he's going to have enough fuel to reach to the finish without making a splash of fuel. And if he doesn't, then this four-car 
almost four-car battle. We've got two and two at, at the moment, but they are all closing up on each other. This is the battle at the moment for second position. It is very funny to watch two battling pairs like this, though, because if one of them decides to become more involved and to get the, the claws out a little bit more, they wind up slowing themselves down. So either the front two battle with one another, that would be the 40 and the 6, or the back two battle with one another, the 74 and the 64. And no matter what, the gap will ebb and flow between the two differing packs of cars. Either they get closer together and it becomes a four-way battle for second place, or they get a little bit further apart because the battle for fourth gets a little bit too intense. I do like watching yeah. when this sort of thing happens. Yeah, this is fun, isn't it? And uh, certainly uh, Keith Grant there, He's he's been... Yeah, pretty conservative. His last lap around was a two-minute 6.0, so uh, quite somewhere away from the pace that some of these other cars can manage. But that Norma is very fast on the straights, and even though Rasmus Lind can close up through the corners, he's not yet got himself in a position to challenge for that second position. And then right behind him closing in is Wyatt Schwab and Matt Bell. Those two are, uh, are, are both Norma chassis, so they're very evenly matched as uh, White Schwab runs wide the exit in turn seven and Matt Bell says I can do that too so clearly he was just <laughs> transfixed on the back end of that number uh, 74 car so when that ran wide it uh, put Matt Bell off his stride so he's now going to have to make up some lost ground that was a hold my beer moment from Matt Bell if you go off the track I can do it a little bit better because <laughs> we get another opportunity to see that and yeah Jeremy spot on just a little bit off track for Wyatt Schwab, very little bit dropping the left side wheels, but Matt Bell decides to become a rally driver and go four wheels off and get all kinds of sideways for a little bit. So now he's going to have to clean up his tires and regroup to try and make another attack at that fourth place position. Means that uh, Keith and David, uh, Keith Grant and Rasmus Slind get a little bit distracted, but further back in the field, there's quite a battle. You spotted it a couple minutes ago, Jeremy. Maxwell Hanby, Jonathan George, and Stephen McAleer separating by, what, a 1.1 second in the three cars? That's nothing. No, that's not. It's a, it's a, there's some super battles all the way through. It's not a particularly large field, but some great racing in this uh, IMSA prototype challenge as Stephen McAleer in that kind of a 10 for Robillard Racing, trying to make up for that stop-and-go penalty, drive-through penalty for exceeding the the speed limit in the pit lane during their mandated and scheduled pit stop. Uh, he's trying to make up ground uh, and he's closing or trying to close on Jonathan George, who's taken over from Joel Janko in that number 47 car that won the opening race of the season. Those cars definitely further back than we expected them to be, both the 47 and the 10, given their successes already this year. But now the four car pack the battle for second has closed up once again Keith Grant leading Rasmus Lind but Wyatt Schwab in the 74 Norma much closer to the back of Lind than he was in the past and Matt Bell clearly looking for a little bit of redemption after that four wheel off moment has indeed closed back up to the back of Wyatt Schwab so it is truly this time more so than it was before a four way battle for the second place yeah and uh just uh, that uh, he was able to make up that ground very, very quickly, wasn't he, Matt Bell? He's clearly got the fastest car here, I think, of this uh, this quartet. But uh, Keith Grant, massively experienced driver, and he's able to maintain that position. Here's that battle we were watching a few moments ago, uh, and the number 47 of Jonathan George, he's managed to get past 
uh, Max uh, Hanratty. Hanratty now is trying to keep Stephen McAleer behind him in that kind of a 10. Good luck. He locked him up coming through turn five, just the left side with a little bit of smoke coming out. And Stephen McAleer would have seen that and knows that he has an opportunity. Ligier versus Nora for Hanratty versus McAleer. They're going through now into the entrance of the carousel where both cars seem to be very well planted as off the course, once again, that's the number three. This time it's Eric Palmer behind the wheel for Junior 3 Racing. Where is he? He's at the... Excellent turn, turn five. five. He should be able to get that car going again. Yeah, these cars have onboard starters, so he's able to get that. Oh, no, don't park it in the middle of the track, Eric. That's not a good uh -oh. move. Uh, hopefully, he can find reverse gear or even turn left and go briefly onto oncoming traffic, but don't park it there. That's not a good move. And uh, I tell you what, uh, who will be praying for a full course caution, most likely, I think, is Scott Andrews, but he's found a gear. Unfortunately, it's not reverse gear, which is the one he probably wants there for Eric Palmer in car number three. Well, at least not he's easy, off easy, the racing line. Not easy line. to find uh, uh, reverse gear on these cars. It no, is, uh, uh, and to to his credit, at least John Hindoff always says, you know, the first thing you want to ask when you get in a race car and they let you drive is where's reverse, because it's a good thing to always know is the battle as they exit the yellow flag area finally goes the way of Rasmus Lynch, who gets around Keith Grant, closely followed by Matt Bell. Now up into the third position, and Keith Grant is back into fourth. Wyatt Schwab also looking for a way around Keith Grant as the number three gets moving once again. So congratulations. That's good to Eric, and we managed to stay green. Scott Andrews is going to be quite upset about the fact that we stayed green. But uh, this battle finally unraveling as they were exiting the period of yellow flag. Looked like Lynn got back to the go-fast pedal a little bit quicker than Keith Grant did. Yeah, and Stephen McAleer also made, made the move there on uh, Max Hanratty. That's the, the battle for eighth and ninth. But now Rasmus Lind, uh, does he have anything for Scott Andrews? Probably not, because Andrews has been pulling away inexorably at the front of the field. The gap between first and second now is almost 18 seconds. So if it just comes down to, to pace, uh, Scott Andrews definitely has the has the upper hand here. But Matt Bell, uh, I think, has moved himself up into third place now ahead of Keith Grant. So Matt Bell against uh, Rasmus Lind, that's going to be quite interesting. But Matt Bell clearly, I think, with the Norma, has the quicker car. Yeah, I would agree with that, Jeremy. Now, we've got some interesting uh, deliberation going on in terms of full running. We've had green flag running this entire stint since the yellow and cars in terms of where they pitted. We figure with about 30 minutes to go, there should be 14 more laps. Well, now we're a bit under 30 minutes to go, so figure 13, maybe even 12 more laps. But the total distance that we're expecting is 23 to 24 laps on this. It's gonna put it a little bit close on fuel. The last car to pit was the number 86. That's the bright green car of Paul LaHaye as uh, Matt Bell gets around Rasmus Linden into the second place, does it well and truly early before the breaking zone into turn five. But the 40 and the 60 stopped on the same lap. That was about 10 laps ago. So it might be a little spotty for the 64 of Matt Bell and the 40 of Keith Grant on fuel two. I think they should be fine, uh, Shea Rudy. They came in with about 50 minutes to go in this race. That shouldn't be a problem. I think they should be able to run uh, 54 or 55 minutes without too much difficulty. That's why we saw the, the whole gaggle of cars come in uh, as soon as they thought they could get to the end on one 
on with it, with just making that one pit stop. So I think they're going to be fine. The big question mark, though, is without a doubt, is number nine. But that that pass there for Matt Bell, it just shows the difference that there is right now between the the Ligier chassis and the, the Norma, which is so much quicker on the straights. And for those watching in Europe, by the way, the there are some new LMP3 cars came into circulation for this season. There's a new Ligier and a new Norma, which actually has the Duquesne name. But those cars will not be introduced into North America until next year. So this is the first generation of LMP3 cars still. And it appears that the Norma has quite an aerodynamic advantage. Which is what we've seen over the years past, uh, especially when we've gone to places like Road Atlanta, because, of course, we've never been here with these cars. But the Normas seem to really hit their true stride on the long, straight tracks. So we would expect, looking on paper, for the Normas to be stronger at this venue than one of the ones where perhaps there's more stopping and turning. Yeah, but I mean, I think everywhere the, the Norma has an advantage at the moment and uh, uh, there's not much IMSA can do about it because these are FIA homologated cars. So it's kind of a, a rock and a hard place. IMSA did allow the Ligiers to run a slightly smaller wicker on the rear wing. That'll give them a little bit less drag, a little bit more straight line speed, but it's still not really enough to bring them on onto a par with the Norma, which is just a slipperier car. Scott Andrews continuing to lead 17.1 seconds ahead of Matt Bell, who now will be turning up the wick since he doesn't have to deal with cars in front of him. Rasmus Lind in third for Performance Tech in their Ligier. Keith Grant in the number 40, the car that started on pole position, is in fourth. And right now trying to fend off Wyatt Schwab in fifth. Two cars from the same team, two cars of the same model, Norma and 30s for both of them. The difference, Keith Grant is what we call a bronze driver. So he's going for the overall championship, yes, but also the bronze driver championship. Behind him, Wyatt Schwab going for the overall championship as far as he is concerned. So you want to go out there and get the wins. But team orders, rule number one, don't hit your teammate. Rule number two, don't hit your teammate. Back behind them, another nine seconds is Dakota Dickerson, 54, in that MLT Motorsports Norma. So there is a good gap between fourth, fifth, and then sixth. So these two can battle back and forth with team orders, yes, but also without the fear of trying to lure in another car behind them to try and steal a position. And you're right, that bro that bronze drivers cup coming into this weekend, the Br the Grant brothers were tied on points actually with Stephen Thomas. Well, Stephen Thomas is already out of this race, so the the Grants will take the lead of the the bronze cup category. But you know they got their eyes set on the overall championship as well. Uh, at the Grant brothers, they had, a, had some problems in the uh, first race of the season. They finished eighth last time out, and they're certainly looking for better than that here at the moment, running in fourth position. And this is a good battle between Keith Grant and Wyatt Schwab. It's not letting up, that's for sure. And Keith Grant is doing a really good job to keep Wyatt Schwab behind him. Wyatt, who did the entirety, well, pretty much of last season, missing only the round at CTMP. So now he's looking for an opportunity to get back into the series. Got the call up for this race, but it's his first try of the season too. He's got a lot to prove today, does Wyatt, but he's done a nice job so far. It's definitely the best battle on the track right now. This one that we're watching in terms of fourth and fifth, keeping 
all of our senses attuned to it, you, you sort of get the feeling that Wyatt Schwab will get around Keith Grant. It's just a question of when and how, and will there be contact between the two cars? Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully the when is a lot longer from now, preferably in about 20 minutes, so that we get to keep enjoying this battle. And where, well, somewhere around the four mile circuit. <laughs> it's 13.9 seconds now, by the way, from Matt Bell to Scott and That's down, uh, what, four seconds in a matter of two laps? Yeah, almost three seconds quicker on the last lap, but Matt Bell and Scott Andrews and Scott Andrews, well, perhaps trying to save. He, he knows if he's going to have to make it, if he's going to have to make another pit stop, he's going to fall uh, off the lead lap because any time you take on fuel, you have to, there's that minimum pit stop time. So he won't just he won't just be a quick splash of fuel and back out again. He has to wait and sit for the minimum amount of time, which is over a minute, well over a minute, uh, and that will that will cause him to fall right off uh, at the back of the uh, of the cars on the lead lap. There was a rule before when uh, when it was the pilot or the IMSA prototype challenge still, but we had the open cockpit cars, we had the NPC cars, where you had to get out of the car during refueling. So Scott Andrews will at least be thankful that that's not still in play. Uh, so at least he can keep his comfy seat, keep in the zone. But now the gap, 12.8 seconds as it continues to come down. It was four tenths of a loss in sector one alone. That is riled up and trying to get a win for the championship leading duo, the number 64 car for K2R Motorsports. That would be something yeah. to see them get a win. Yeah, that, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a, a great last lap there for Matt Belden, whether he, he made, made a mistake or, or, or something, because he, he certainly didn't close anything like as, as much as he had done the previous lap, whereas the race leader, his last two lap times would be virtually identical. Two minutes, 5.78. Uh, seven nine and then seven eight so we're just a tenth of a not, not even a tenth of a second a hundredth of a second between those last two laps on the four mile track that's pretty consistent driving for scott andrews very good driving by scott andrews who uh was doing a good job to try and defend that race win they missed the round at daytona so 13th back in points having accrued 35 points from the last race, which, oh yeah, that's the maximum number of points for a race. So it was a good run out for the first time for JDC Motorsports in that Norma, driving alongside Jerry Crowd, who's from Minnesota. So uh, not too far away. It's not a, a bad weekend for Jerry. He'll be pleased with this result, no matter what it is. He had a good showing yeah, no, he out won't, there. He won't be pleased if he doesn't have a win. He's got a lot of a lot of time around here at Road America as Jerry Kraut, and uh, you know, he loves this racetrack as does everybody. As you say, from St. Paul, Minnesota, he calls this track home, and would, uh, you know, the win was the was the primary goal for for Jerry this weekend. And I think he's going to need some full course caution. We've got less than 19 minutes remaining, so uh, there's still another uh, 10 laps to go for these cars. I don't think he's going to have enough fuel to make it. But this uh, is the battle now for. Uh, fourth and fifth with Keith Grant trying to hold on ahead of White Schwab. There is a battle further back down the track, by the way. Jonathan George is trying to hold off Stephen McAleer for the seventh position. But this battle right now between Keith Grant and Wyatt Schwab, much closer, down to half a second between the two sister cars. And so we don't want to peel away from that because behind them, now we can see Dakota Dickerson. So he's still seven seconds behind this battling pair. But again, when you battle, 
you tend to take time off of one another. So it does invite cars that are slightly behind you to come join the party as the Jonathan George, Stephen McAleer car now separated by the lapped car of Eric Palmer, who very kindly moves out of the way for Stephen McAleer before they get to turn three and McAleer makes it through safely. Back to the concern for fourth place, Keith Grant still keeping quiet while behind him. Wyatt now yeah, looks at and Dakota Dickerson. That's not comforting, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Tony's Kazimitz, who's behind this pair at the moment in car number 60. The lapped car, or, or two laps down, actually, is Tony's in that car number 60. The black and white car with the with the red rear wing is he is not this, he, he is not in a battle for position at the moment, but Tony's is a racer, and he's going to want to pass these guys if he possibly can. It might not be for, for, for position. Uh, he won't care at all about that. Scott Andrews, by the way, last time at 2 minutes 6.0, our race leader. Matt Bell in second place, back down to his uh, his better pace, 2 minutes 3.6. He pulled uh, two and a half seconds that last lap uh, the, the, from second place towards that, that deficit to first. That's a change, yep, and now 8.4 seconds. That's starting to get a little bit feisty. It's not to the point yet where you would want to turn your attention away from perhaps some of the closer battles on track, but it is something just to keep in the back of your mind that now it's down under eight seconds, the battle for the lead. And it is a very long middle sector. So sector two of this track takes about a minute and 10 seconds to traverse in these cars. So we've got a little bit of a, a wait before we find out just how close Matt Bell is to Scott Andrews, but that indication of 206 flat, I don't know if that was traffic or if that, Scott Andrews no, perhaps no, no, starting no. to take it a no. little bit easier on the right foot. Yeah, no, no. We talked about that a while ago. He's just easing his pace now, trying to save fuel as much as he can. He's pretty, pretty, pretty consistent. Uh, the, the last uh, four laps for our race leader, 2 minutes 5.79, 2 minutes 5.78, 2 minutes 6.03, 2 minutes 6.08. So, you know, that's the pace he's he's trying to run to, to eke out the fuel to make it to the finish. Uh, I think it's a forlorn uh, hope for him, but uh, certainly within three or four laps, we're going to have a uh, contest for the lead on the racetrack. He's five laps off worse than Matt Bell on fuel with Scott Andrews, so he definitely has to lessen the pace. He has to figure out a way to try and stay in front, which will be a very big ask, given that we still have 15 and a half minutes to go of this race. And now the gap is down to 7.2 seconds as they both come out of sector two. So it's going to be, uh, well, a little bit like chumming the waters. Cue, cue the Jaws theme music for Matt Bell. He's coming and Rask seven seconds behind. So now it's a, a consideration advantage control, Jeremy. How far back is Scott Andrews gonna go? How much does he have to lessen his pace? Yeah, we've still got uh, 15 minutes remaining in this race, so that's another, where, uh, where are they now, coming across uh, to complete that line. So there's going to be another uh, probably uh, eight laps. Oops, there's a spin for Tony's Kazimitz. That's a surprise. You don't often see Tony's uh, going around, but he has done the exit of turn 14. That wasn't a battle for position, but around goes Tony's. He'll be he'll be annoyed with himself for that. He was just trying, I'm sure, to, to get a really good exit to that corner to get a run on those other cars, uh, maybe on the straights. Just got a little bit greedy, did Tony? So I think there. Yeah, he look at the speed he carried through the corner. Side wheels. <laughs> yeah. He carried masses through, that, through that corner, Shay. 
that left rear just catching on the grass, Jeremy, just ever so slightly because, as you said, a lot of speed through the final corner, but uh, just the left rear going to put down the power and finding no stable traction. It's a bit like walking on ice. You go from walking on some very stable material like concrete, and then all of a sudden you step on a little bit of ice and your foot goes in a direction you weren't expecting. That's exactly what just happened to Tony's Kasmitz with his left rear wheel. He thought that it would keep going in the same direction. Uh, no. No, it didn't. But uh, no harm, no foul. Vintage get turned around and continues on in the 11th position. Still almost 30 seconds ahead of Eric Palmer in the number three. So no fear of losing that position as of yet. All right. Oh, where right. is the lead now? 6.4 seconds for Matt Bell, Jeremy. Yep. And with uh, 13 minutes remaining, it's, it's going to feel like a lifetime, I think, for uh, for Scott Andrews. Here he comes through turn 13. This is his 41st lap for our race leader. He took the lead after the round of pit stops on that 26. This would just be his 15th lap in the lead of this race. But uh, it's been a super run by this JDC Miller, JDC Motorsports team. Joe Crowd is a... Uh, is uh, one of the principals of this team along with uh, the church family and he's uh, coming off the win last time out at Sebring so the team desperately wants to make it uh, two in a row on the team's home track another the consistent camera lap shot there. back down from yeah the, the camera shot from rooftop ray who's not rooftop right now he's hanging out in turn one but as he was looking back down the front straight watching scott andrews in the lead the small, looming gray X-Wing fighter was just there in the background. Matt Bell switching to uh, to guns, I think, because it's a little too close for missiles on that one. But Matt Bell is coming, and it's down under five seconds now. Battle between first and second. But further back on track, the battle for fourth continues. It's seven-tenths of a second now. Keith Grant doing a fantastic job to keep Wyatt Schwab behind him. Do you think that's team orders or genuine pace, Jeremy? A big punch, eh? Do you think it's it's keeping Schwab behind Grant, or since they're both for 47 Motorsport, Keith oh, keeping no, Wyatt no, behind? No, there'll be no team orders here. No, uh, absolutely not. There will be. They're racing for position. The only team order is don't take out your teammates. So if Wyatt Schwab is going to have to, he's going to make a move. <laughs> He's got to make sure it's clean and that uh, there's no contact between himself and the Grant brothers. If, if there is, um, there'll be some unhappy people around, I can tell you that. <laughs> there'll be uh, a beers at, along with the cheese curds, corn and brats tonight over in their uh, trailer. Is that what you're saying, Jeremy? Yes. <laughs> Uh, it got a little bit closer there that last time around, but now they come out of the carousel and go down the back stretch through the kink and then approach Canada Corner into turn nine. Uh, Schwab is still just a little bit too far back to try and make a move on his teammate for that fourth position. So Keith Grant doing a fantastic job to keep that number 40 in the lead. Speaking of the lead, the lead of the race, Scott Andrews, three seconds now ahead of Matt Bell as Matt very clearly can see the bright blue car ahead of him and Matt knows that now it's all about taking it easy over the next 10 minutes he's got to catch up to the car ahead of him but that will be easy getting around Scott Andrews well it should be okay but if Andrews can go to the end and can pick up his pace it 
take until the last lap for Matt Bell to actually pass him. Yeah, no, I, th I think we, we, we've still got 10 minutes remaining in this race. I mean, he's closing at a rate last time around to 2 minutes 6.7 for our race leader, Scott Andrews. 2 minutes 4.0 for the second place car of Matt Bell. So 2.7 seconds, the, differ the difference. And the gap between the two cars on the road now is actually less than that. So he's closing very, very rapidly indeed. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, just a matter of time. But you're, you're certainly right. Scott Andrews, I'm sure, will not make it easy in the same way here as we see... Uh, uh, Keith Grant not making it easy for Wyatt Schwab, who tries to go around the outside at turn five. Great stuff. Oh, oh my goodness. And he's trying to make it stick, too, when he had two wheels on the grass. But Grant gave him the racing room that Schwab was asking for. Schwab finally deciding it's not going to happen. Do not hit your teammate, remember, and backed out of it. What a run that uh, Schwab had on Grant going into that turn five. Now Grant's going to be a little bit more aware that Schwab wants to make the pass, that Schwab feels confident in making the pass because he sat behind him for such a long time, Jeremy, that I bet Grant was feeling a little bit content with his position. Not anymore. And just a glimpse as they, as they come here through into the kink, not too far behind them now is Dakota Dickerson in an MLT Motorsports Legion, car number 54, coming out of the kink. There he is. Uh, in, uh, he's now, what about inside three seconds behind this battle that is raging for fourth and fifth positions between Keith Grant and Wyatt Schwab. Wow, and that's big too because championship implications. Dakota Dickerson came in second in points, looking to try and maintain that position. Can't better it because the car that is leading the championship currently second, hunting down the overall leader for the lead of the race, meaning maximum points for the championship leaders potentially. But Dakota Dickerson wants to get to that fourth place points because fourth place points is worth about four more points than sixth place. And every point at the end of the championship oh. makes a big difference. Difference. What happened to Matt Bell on that lap? He's lost a lot of ground all of a sudden. The second place car coming down the hill towards turn five. He's a long, long way back from the race leader. He is. He's too, his last lap was six tenths slower than Scott Andrews that last time around. They both did 206s. But Matt Bell looks like he's running really slowly, even coming out of turn five and up the hill into six. There looks like something might be wrong with that car, Jeremy. Yeah, it certainly doesn't Oh, look, not uh... again. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. We just had the teammates going out at a turn five once again. Wyatt Schwab going down the inside, this time making it stick on keep going around the outside the last time around. Brief little touch between... There's a little bit of white smoke, but it looks like no damage between the, the very least. So a replay, just another opportunity for us to get a look at it going down the inside. Schwab committed early. There was just a gentle little tap, maybe even not, between Grant. And this time, Schwab forcefully makes his way through. The position, but finally, All right, how about that was a really good pass there by Wyatt Schwab. It was, as you say, it was a nice, clean pass. He, he, he made the move down the inside perfectly clean. Uh, Keith Grant tried to turn in, but uh, Wyatt Schwab was already there, so he had to sort of see, see the position at the apex of the corner. But now, looming right behind as well, that's Dakota Dickerson in the number 54 Ligier. He's closing now on, uh, on Keith Grant as well. So Keith Grant having withstood that pressure from Wyatt Schwab for such a long time, he finally had to give way, but there's no respite because right behind him there is Dakota Dickerson, the young Californian. 
There is something wrong with Matt Bell. He's now 8.6 seconds behind the leader. His last lap around was a 213.4. The leader's last lap around, a 208.4. Third place, last lap around, a 210.1. Has everybody miscalculated the fuel? And with six minutes to go, starting to realize that they can't indeed make it to the end. Wyatt Schwab stopped on the same lap as the leader. So he can't go flat out, surely, but he's doing lap times of a 206.8 after doing that pass. Right now, we're looking at a position where perhaps Lynn could come in with the second, the second place, but he's going slowly too. So what the heck is going on with everybody's fuel numbers right now? Yeah, it's very strange, that's for sure. Uh, I'd be, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised. I mean, how long to go? We've got five and a half minutes remaining. Um, I'm at a loss, quite frankly. I can't quite explain why all these uh, second, and th second and third place cars have both slowed their pace considerably on that last lap. There might have been a little bit of traffic involved, perhaps for Rasmus Lind, as he had to work his way past uh, Paul LaHaye. But I, I think there's no doubt, in my mind at least, that, the, that Matt Bell has uh, some kind of serious problem in that second place running car at 64. And it could be as simple as a problem as not enough petrol in the tank to make it all the way around this track to the end. I don't think any of the teams, Jeremy, would have planned on it going yellow, uh, going without yellows for the last hour of the race. So that's got to come as a little bit of a surprise given the start to the race with the yellows. But it's just it's staggering to see all of a sudden the lap times dropping off as much as they have. And see people like Wyatt Schwab still pushing quite hard because he's trying to build a gap, gap. But unfortunately for Keith Grant, he now has to deal with Dakota Dickerson. All of we continue to monitor this alarming progress or lack thereof of the leaders. The gap from first to second is now 11 and a half seconds. Scott Andrews is now himself helpless as Rasmus Slynn gets around Matt Bell for second place. Matt Bell continues to fall further down the field. Now 13 seconds behind the lead as Lind is 12.1 seconds. Who's going to win this? No idea. It always turns into a fuel race at the end of Road America. And the problem is you the distance of this track, much of it takes your full commitment, full throttle. Three minutes to go, which means we might be getting the white head of second place, which is now Rasmus Lind. Matt Bell told further and further way through second let's see what Andrews does he did a 1.9 Lynn did a 1.6 we made a 2.3 seconds in one sector alone the battle for the lead win could be on this is a bizarre race that's unfolding before our eyes right now with less, less than two and a half minutes remaining in this motor race here comes Scott Andrews across the line last lap was a 2 bits 10.8 as he crosses the line this time it's a 2 bits 12.4 he's tried desperately to save fuel but he's going to have to do well he, he there's, there's, he, he should be able to if he could complete this lap I think it would be good enough to get into the finish line he's cut his pace by so much as he crossed the line I think there's about two minutes uh, eight or nine seconds remaining in this race so it looks like he might be able to make it but uh, for the, the several other cars they're running out of fuel and that's bizarre given the fact that number nine car has gone a lot longer than everybody else in this field who is that that just pulled off Jeremy there's a car stopped on course at turn 11. It's Jonathan George. It's the guys who came into this 
points. JJ squared for 47 Motorsports stopped out at turn 11 on the back straight. Oh, that's disaster for this team. They had yeah. such a great start to the championship winning at Daytona, but then they didn't finish the race at Sebring. They're not going to finish the race here either. I'm not surprised at that because that number 74 car came in on the same lap as did the number nine, uh, the 47 car also. Uh, so uh, yeah, they are uh, they are both uh, stretching their, their fuel loads at this, this, this long. It looks like they're going to be able to make it, but uh, Scott Andrews, uh, he's uh, still got a pretty handy lead over Rasmus Lind, but uh, there, where, where is Lind now? There he comes now uh, out of the Rasmus, carousel. Yes, Rasmus Lind, 8.4 seconds behind the leader, Wyatt Schwab behind him, and Matt Bell getting yeah. passed by another few cars. And, and Schwab closing right in now. That's the battle for, for second place heading towards Canada Corner. And uh, Rasmus Lind is defending for all he's worth there over the number 74 car of Wyatt Schwab. And uh, right behind them are Keith Grant and Dakota Dickerson. This race isn't over yet, just one corner to go. No, but the problem is, Jeremy, one corner to go in six seconds until time expires. Massive fuel save going on right now for Scott Andrews because timing is up. If he crosses the start-finish line, it should end the race. No, it's the white flag. It's exactly what they didn't want to see because that means they have to go 4.048 miles more. Scott Andrews with Wyatt Schwab behind him now in the 74. Rasmus Lind back, and there are three cars going into turn one, three cars wide, and they all managed to make it through. But the leader was coached around the start-finish line, and Wyatt Schwab for 47 motorsports in the number 74 has taken over the lead in the car that he shared with John Brownson, new leader on the last lap of this race. As off in the gravel is the 75 performance tech. That was Max Hanratty. The question is, does Wyatt Schwab have enough fuel to make it all around to the start-finish line again? Keith Grant looking down the inside of Dakota Dickerson at turn five. Makes the pass. Does he make it stick? Yes, he does. He does. But Dickerson still with enough momentum to look back down the inside going into six. He's there. And the pass is Dickerson and he makes it stick back. So Dickerson still in second place as Wyatt Schwab is the leader. And now the fight's on for third as Grant goes off the track after a little bit of an issue there with Scott Andrews. I didn't see any contact between the two cars, but there could have been a touch as uh, Grant manages to get back on track and continue around. Yep, I think there was a little bit of contact with Andrews there, the former race leader. Wyatt Schwab is leading. We have car 75, handwriting is up the course of turn 12, so there will be local yellows around there. Paul LaHaye was just stopped off the side of the track at the exit of the carousel, but the Here battle for lead Dickerson. is on. Here comes Dickerson. White Schwab defending to the inside line as they head into Canada Corner. Doing a good job there to make sure there's no way through for Dakota Dickerson. Now less than half a mile to the finish line. But do they have enough to make it up that very steep hill out of turn four? Dakota Dickerson looks to the inside. They're side by side coming out of 14. Now it's a track race up the hill. Who has enough left in the tank to make it a win? Dickerson pulls ahead ever so slightly. Dickerson getting the lead. Dickerson getting the win. MLT Motorsport, car number 54, crossing the finish line first. That means Dakota Dickerson and Doug Cero win this race after pretty much everybody else runs out of fuel. And there are cars 
everywhere across the racetrack. It's going to be a very busy couple of minutes for the Road America Safety Control as they go out to reclaim all of these cars. What a drive from Dakota Dickerson. And credit to him, Wyatt Schwab bringing his car home in second place on that final lap. A lot of action. Scott Andrews managing to hold on to third and the final podium position for JDC Motorsports in that number nine car. For property in fourth, Matt Bell for the 64 K2R Motorsports. And in fifth, Keith Grant after being shoved off track on that final lap. Stephen McLear after serving a drive through penalty for Robillard Racing coming home in sixth position. Behind him, Rasmus Lind stopped out on track. Maxwell Handwriting stopped out on track. Jonathan George made it back to the pit lane but had stopped out on track. What a frantic couple of minutes is why Schwab is now pulled over to the side of the track, not having enough fuel to get back to the pit lane. Well, that's a bizarre motor race. I mean, we always see some exciting action here at Road America, but that was the most incredible race. Coming down the hill into turn three. Dickerson pulled to the inside and made the pass there on a few more cars, but the pass for the lead coming at the exit of turn 14, just keeping all four wheels on the track keeping it pointed in the right direction and able to get a bit more momentum. But as we now know, Wyatt Schwab ran out of fuel at the end of that lap. So it was Dakota Dickerson who managed to get just enough. And hopefully he has enough to drive it back around to victory lane as Wyatt Schwab is sitting on the side of the track waiting for somebody to come help him. So close to that race win. But what a drive from Wyatt Schwab. There was a hip check there from Keith on Keith Grant's on from Scott Andrews on that last lap as they came through before the carousel that resulted in the orange 47 motorsport car spinning off the track. That's turn seven, the car that started on pole. And what a day for the Grants. They did do a fantastic job the whole way through as Scott Andrews also stopped out on track. I think there's probably more cars stopped out on track than made it back to the pit lane. Jeremy, do you have uh, points for us or should we do official results first? Let's do official results as Dickerson does make it back into the pit lane so he can drive to the victory lane being stopped by the incident officials. All right, let's see how everybody finished through the course of this race. Race winner, MLT Motorsports, car number 54, Dom Cicero and Dakota Dixon. Allegier won the race when we thought it was a Norma stronghold track. Second place, Wyatt Schwab for 74 Motorsport in their Norma. Really good effort from Wyatt and his co-driver, John Brownson, so close to a race win today. Scott Andrews and Jerry Kraut holding on in their JDC Motorsport Norma and that number nine for the third place finish. And back and forth, Matt Bell, so close, K2R Motorsport, sharing with Naveen Rao, who did a fantastic job in the opening stint for the 60 the whole way through. Our pole sitters were the number 40, Grants, and those two coming home in the fifth position, they also had a day to remember. Jeremy, do you have the points for us? I do indeed. That uh, victory for MLT Motorsports and Dakota Dickerson will put him into the lead of the championship on 93 points. Naveen Rao and Matt Bell now in second place in points. They brought that car home in the fourth position today, but they have a three-point deficit heading into the second half of the season. Thank you very much to Jeremy Shaw and to Sheer Adam. What a race 
for the latest round of the IMSA Prototype Challenge. Who knew it was going to be those with the lightest foot who benefited? It's normally the other way around. 30 laps at the end of green flag racing. Accident, incident, and then fuel saving at the end. Plenty of excitement, certainly in that, and we'll have the whole season for you here on IMSA TV. Congratulations to the winners here at the America's National Park of Speed. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.